0: I want to say thank you to uh, all the missions team, people that went, the people that prayed for us while we were there. And I was only there two and a half days, and, and uh, the rest of the team was there all week. Uh, they had about, they had almost a 24-hour trip home from about two-something th- Friday till one-something yesterday. So thank them, thank the people who prayed for everyone, and thanks for those who gave to help get the team there, and there's still a lot of work to be done there. Okay, we're taking a break from the Life Apps series again this morning, and nobody knew that till yesterday except I I've kind of found out about it on Thursday or Friday. Um, but it, it's just, you know, when God takes you out of your comfort zone for a little while, that's some of the times that he can speak to you more than any other time. I mean, we get, we get our ruts and our routines going so so fast that God doesn't have a, have a way to slip in there and whisper anything to us, Right? But you get off in South Dakota where, where, uh, you know, you you can ask these guys. Kristen Bradley asked me about it, and I said, well, if you liked it, you'd call it laid back. If you didn't, you'd call it boring. And, you know, you get there, and it's uh, either uh, laid back or boring, you know, according to your your perspective of it. You get there, you know, and, and uh, you know, I'm there with 12 people that I know, some people that I meet, and a whole bunch of strangers, and, hey, not a whole lot of people there, I, I think. I think uh, right there around our inn, there were probably about ten people live within four or five miles of of that place where we were at. I mean, there's not not a whole lot of people anywhere around there. And then God just, uh, you know, He just takes that another step further because Thursday, I got a ride to the airport at 8 a.m. for my flight starting to come home. Problem was, my flight didn't leave till 1:55 p.m. So I had a little bit extra time at the airport. I got an extra early flight coming back to Minneapolis, but then there was not another flight coming back to Birmingham until mine that night. So I had a long layover. I had a lot of time. So here again, I'm all by myself on the way home, you know, all these... People walking up and down the terminal, and just, and I, I don't know about you, but I'm a people watcher, and I saw these people walking up and down the terminal, and I'm just, I'm just thinking all the time, like, you know, just wondering about this, wondering about this, reading, you know, reading little sayings and things in the, in the uh, the gift shops there, in the, in the airport, you know, and just kind of soaking up culture, just thinking about the culture there, you know, and there seems to be a little bit, especially Minneapolis, where I spent most of my time probably uh, on a Thursday there seems to be somewhat of a Christian culture there because, you know, they kind of talk a little bit about God, but you don't really see it a whole lot. It's just a few things. And So Thursday, I had a lot of extra time, and I started, started working again on the sermon, trying to pull it all together so I could get it to Mike real early and started to pull it together. The sermon I've been working on for this Sunday and the Life Apps, and it just wasn't working. It just didn't fit. Something wasn't right. So, you know, so then on Friday morning, I get home late Thursday night. Friday morning, I get up again. I start digging with God and say, hey, God, it's Friday, you know. If I can't preach that message I've been working on, you know, I, I, I need some direction here. And God started speaking and speaking to me. You know, pretty much all day Friday, just off and on. And I, let me tell you, I've been under such a, a, a heaviness in the last couple of days. And I can't tell you how many times Deva and Kristen asked me, what's wrong? Is everything all right? And it wasn't that something was wrong. It was just that there was just such a heaviness on me. And I probably did look like something was wrong. It was, it was, there was something stirring in my spirit. And it, and, it, and it was a good thing, but it was stirring because everything wasn't great in every area. And so this morning, we're going to take a break from the life apps because we, we, we need to get back to some basics. I, I need to share with you some foundational stuff today. That the life apps that we've been preaching about, all it, they're awesome. They're wonderful. And God has given them to us to help us every day through our life. If we don't get this, then we won't get this. We won't get the life apps. We won't get the blessings. We won't get the gifts. We won't get the miracles. We won't get those things if we don't get the foundational stuff. We cannot build our life on just the good stuff. We've got the, you know, the, the, the blessings and the miracles. We've got to have the foundation. So I want you to listen this morning. As I share with you, man, this has really been on my heart. And I don't know. Hey, and again this morning, I, I wanted to sleep late this morning, but God had other ideas. 6 o'clock, 6 a.m. this morning. I had my alarm set for 8 in case I overslept. 6 a.m., God woke me up. We spent another couple of hours together this morning. I want to share with you from my heart. And here's where I want us to begin. I want us to begin by, with the who. The who 2911 is why we're here and why we're called to, and you know what, I, I don't know how many people I shared the 29-11 thing with this week, I, I wish they all lived here close because they'd probably all been at church this morning because, man, they were excited about that, hearing that, but they were all in South Dakota, you know, asking me this question. So wh- who is 2911? What is this twenty nine eleven thing? Jeremiah 29 and 11. Now, there's a whole lot of other stuff there, you know, the, there's the sovereign, there's the being the chosen, the, the blessings, and those other scriptures, but, you know, I want to I make this really easy for you. When somebody asks you, I want you, I want you to really have this in your heart so you understand understand this if you can't share all of it you, you can share this and say and then come to church Sunday my pastor will tell you the rest okay you can do that right and Jeremiah twenty nine eleven it says this for I know the plans I have for you declares the Lord plans to prosper you and not to harm you plans to give you hope and a future another version says I know the thoughts that I think towards you and the and the way we kind of translate that ourselves our version of that here is that God has big dreams for everyone he has a dream for your life. In your life, when he was forming you in your mother's womb, God was dreaming about you. You know, he, he didn't give you the characteristics that you have by accident. God put that characteristic, that personality trait, that little quirk that everybody else says is kind of weird about you. You know, have you ever have you ever noticed? I mean, look around you. You ever notice successful pastors? You know, successful pastors are. There's, there's something weird about just about every one of them. I mean, there are people that you kind of you look at a little funny. You know, you kind of smile just a little bit. I mean, seriously, I mean, look around and see them. That's who they are. And all those little quirks that God put in you, he did on purpose because he was dreaming something big for you. But the problem is people are not living the dream. And I'm not just talking about sinners and people that aren't in the church. I'm talking about Christians too. We're not living the dream God had for us. Our marriages are just in just as much trouble as people who don't come to church every Sunday. Our, our finances are in just as much trouble as people who don't come to church every Sunday. We're not living the dream either. But God intended us to live the dream, and that's what 2911 is about, is about helping people live the dream that God has for their life. And every church has got to have a vision. And the vision, you know, I mean, for a church to do anything and accomplish it, it's got to be about more than we want to see you go to heaven. I mean, there's got to be more that is there. I mean, that is the ultimate goal, but there's got to. And our vision is we want to reach those who have not yet been reached and who aren't living the dream. There are 20,000 people, over 20,000 people in North Jefferson County alone that are not affiliated with any Christian church. That's just in North Jefferson County. And Blunt's just... Up the road a little ways. And Walker's just this way a little ways. And we've got people come all the way from St. Clair and Shelby. And actually, we've got some come from Bibb County. Y'all know that, right? Right? That's where mom and dad are from. But that's where they drive. And we've got people driving that far. So there are, there are thousands of people around us that are not living the dream. Pray with me right now, and let's uh, let's listen to what God's heart is today for this message. Father, I love you, and I thank you, God, that you have a dream. God, you have a heart. You didn't wake up this morning and, and say, oh, I think I'll go visit 29. God, you visited here. You visited in this place, and not this physical place. You visited in this place, this spiritual place that we are. You visited here before any of us knew what it was going to be, God. God, this was your place. You designed this. Your, this is your heart to reach. God, the, these, these people. People, lord that that are coming lord that, that have no church background they've never been in church god they got hurt and they they've been out of church lord this was your heart to draw them back in and i pray God and I ask you god to just fulfill and finish God the dream that you you have established in us and Lord let, let us not let's not lose the focus of what it is but remember and, and re-establish today that foundation and not just in our church but God for me in my individual life for, for each of us to say in our lives individually God, that we want this foundation. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen. amen. Okay, now i, I got to really, really hurry. I guess you, you probably know if you got here just a little early. You say, i was really hurrying. Uh, and everybody's still kind of coming out, okay? So here's, here's just about three things I kind of want to share with you this morning. And this is about who we are as Church 2911. And, and and this is something I've shared with you, but this is in just a little different different way, a little little different understanding. I'm saying it differently, and I hope you get something new out of it. it is is that one of the things we are as church twenty nine eleven is that we want to provide a place. This is part of who we are, is to provide a place for people to connect with God without obstacles or hindrances. We don't want obstacles or hindrances. We're, we're supposed to be getting out of God's way, not getting in His way. But that's what churches do. I mean, after churches are together a while, you know, we start developing things and building things, creating things. All of a sudden, we've got, you know, we've got all these 25 steps to leading a youth group or 25 steps to leading a small group. And we've got all this stuff that's in people's way of getting closer to God. And that's not really God's intent. I mean, He didn't want that. Jesus talked about some of those obstacles and hindrances when he was talking about the Pharisees. He said they tie up heavy loads and put them on men's shoulders, but they themselves are not willing to lift a finger to move them. So they're building heavy loads or heavy burdens and weights. Everything they do is done for men to see. They make their phylacteries wide and their tassels on their garments long. Uh, and the, the phylacteries there is it's a box thing. They put them on their head, they put them on their arm. But they kept making them bigger and bigger because they wanted everybody to notice. Oh, look at them. They're the holy ones. They made their tassels on, on the roads longer and longer because they wanted everybody to notice. Oh, look how holy they are or whatever. And they kept doing this and adding and adding and adding. They, they kept adding so many traditions and so many uh, ideas of, of, of what should be done. There were so many things added to the law that God gave through Moses that there were only a few people that could actually try to live up to it. And according to what I read about how Jesus challenged the Pharisees, they weren't even living up to it. I mean, they, they had created an, an additional set of rules. It was so much that nobody could live up to it. Traditions. You know, I follow... I, I, these are obstacles and, hindrance, and I, hindrances that, that keep people from getting close to God. And I, I follow people in different circles because here's what I know. I know if I only hang out with three or four or five of you over here, and I only hang out with you, all I'm going to do is, we're just, going, we're just going to hear just the things that we like to hear, and we're going to keep teaching and preaching to each other over and over and over, and I'm going to miss everything else going on. So I want to hear, I want somebody else to challenge me. And, and, and I heard two guys, two guys that were talking, and these are two ministers, and they're not even in this state. And they were talking, and they were agreeing, they were discussing something, and they were agreeing about everything except one thing. They had one disagreement between them. And, and they agreed about everything else, but they only disagreed about one thing. And the interesting thing was, is, is when they, they disagreed, and they, they agreed to disagree kind of a thing, they didn't talk about it a whole lot. And neither one of them gave the other a scripture to say, this is why I believe I'm right, and this is why I believe you're wrong. They, you know, they didn't use a scripture or anything. Here's the, the only thing they said was, both of them basically said this, is the reason I believe that is because that's the way I was raised. And see, that's what tradition will do to us. And if we're not careful, we will go along with what we're, well, what, what if, what if the way you were raised wasn't right? I mean, have you ever asked yourself that question? I've asked myself that question. What if the way I was raised wasn't right? I said, let me tell you, my, my faith in God is not based on the way I was raised, my faith in God was based on a search after him and say, God, please show me where I'm wrong, where I've missed it. And by seeking it, and see, I understand that by, by not seeking out, you, you'll, just, you'll just build these same, like, like the tradition of the King James Version. Okay, don't want to offend anybody. Not going to throw the King James Version away, but the King James Version. I mean, you might not know this, but there are actually people in this world who believe the Apostle Paul wrote in King James English. That's what the, there are some people who actually believe that, and they say, that's why we need to only use the King James uh, yeah, they, you know, Christy's in, in uh, Venezuela today. I've got, a, I got another cousin uh, who's a minister, uh, Jason, who is, who is in Ecuador today. Guess what? Neither one of them is using the King James Version because they don't read King James English in Venezuela and Ecuador. And most people here don't either. You know, and of all these 20,000 people that have no church background, they walk in the door, you give them a King James Version, it'd be like handing them a copy of Beowulf. How many of you like Beowulf. How I many of you know what Beowulf is? Okay, okay. Oh wow, okay. But none of you liked it, did Okay. Now, except for Justin, he raised his hand in early service. He likes it, but he I kinda called him out a little bit about it. I think he's he's gonna lay low in this service a little bit. Here's some Beowulf. Let's read it. Lo, praise the prowess of people, kings of spear-armed Danes in, long, in days long sped. We have heard in what honor the athelings won, all skill and all skifing from uh, from uh, squadron foes from many a tribe. The mead bench tore away the earls. Since erst he lay friendless, a foundling. Fate repaid him, for he waxed under welkin, and wealth he throve. Till before him the folk, both far and near, whose house by the well-path heard his mandate, gave him gifts, a good king he... Be How many of you can tell me what that means? Now, J- Justin raised his hand in the first service, but yeah, you did. He said he's, he's like, I, man, I was ready for you this time. I thought that was. Good. He raised his hand in the first service and he started explaining. I said, I don't want to hear it. I don't care. <laughs> How many of you care? How many of you want me to spend thirty minutes here? Breaking down Beowulf for you. I, I I don't really care, Justin. I'm glad you like Beowulf. I hated it. I despised it. I don't understand what it's talking about. And so you know what I did? Is I got the cliff notes. <laughs> I guarantee you, I got the cliff notes. And I, got, I, just, I just got through that one, man. I, could, I didn't have time to... You know how thick that book is? Let me, that's exactly what somebody thinks who has never read King James English. They come in the door, and we hand them this book, and they start reading these, thou's, therefore's, and all of this. And they're thinking... I don't care. And they're looking and saying, I don't have time for this. Explain it to me. I don't have time for this. See, that's what, that's what we do. I mean, you know what? We might as well be saying, come to the front and let's pray with you and let's believe God to forgive you of your sins and meet Jesus Christ as your Savior and then put linebackers right here to keep them out. That's what we do when we build traditions like this and say, "It's got to." Here, here's the thing. Anything we teach outside of the Word of God is one more thing people have to focus on besides God himself. Everything Now listen, in our teaching, we're not going to have a class on Wednesday night of how to understand the King James English. We're not going to waste our time on something. But do you you believe I actually got a call one time? I forgot about this too yesterday. I actually got a call one time from a lady who invited me to a class on understanding the King James English. You know, we're not going to do something about like that right here. We want people to connect with God. We don't want people to learn a new language. We don't want them to. You know, that was one of the problems that that, that the Christian church had with the Indians a hundred years ago. Is we were trying to change them. We wanted them to take off, you know, the clothes they had. We wanted them to put on the clothes we wore. And you think back in those those days of, you know, the ruffle white shirts the men wore too and all that kind of, I meant weird clothes and, you know, and, and and those those boots that, you know, you had to, ladies, you know, I had to lace them all the way up. I meant th- that we wanted to do that. We wanted to quit speaking their language and only speak English. We, we we took them, we took their kids into our schools and, and we actually schools that we made just for them and taught them. We were trying to break them of all that. It, it's like we were trying to teach them tradition and we didn't have time to teach them about a Savior named Jesus Christ who gave his life for their Sin. I don't want to spend time around here teaching people about tradition, so we're not going to teach tradition around here. We want to get out of the way. We want to get out of people's way. And, so, and you know what? We're, we're, we're developing some little traditions around here. There's some little things here, so we got to be careful. I like, I like to ask people, say, you know, do you, want to, you think we ought to do this again? Anytime you say again, you better be careful. You're building a tradition. I don't want to build anything that somebody has to know about. I'll go and give you this one. I don't have time for this, but go and give you this one. For the past. To Father's Days, we've handed out little vials of oil to all of, the, all of the heads of household in our church. You know what? It's kind of becoming a tradition. You do, it enough, you do it enough Father's Days in a row, and you've developed a tradition. And here's the danger. If somebody comes in for the first time, and, you know, and we just get to a place where we all understand it, and so let's just pass them out this year, and we won't explain it. You see? That's the problem. Now, But I've got to take time to explain that. Now, if it's something important because you need to know how to pray for your family and anoint them, da-da-da-da-da, hey, that's a good thing. But if I'm not careful, it'll become a tradition. And the unchurch will come in and say, what is this for? And they'll go home and fry their french fries in it or something because they won't know any better. I'm, I'm serious. This is what, this is what happened. If we, if we want to teach people just their traditions, I don't want to teach. And that's who we are. But we need to go a step further with this. Because our lives can also be an obstacle and a hindrance. Here's what, Jesus, here's what Paul said. We live in such a way that no one will stumble because of us, and no one will find fault with our ministry. Paul said we even have to live in such a way so that we are not hindrances. You know, uh, he said we've got to be careful of the things we do, the things we say. Now, I've I got, way too, I got way too much stuff and not near enough time. You know, I got a lot. I got too much sermon left over for the amount of time that I've got. I've got left. I asked God. I asked God, yesterday, and this was one of those things. This morning, between six and eight a.m. 8 a.m. That God reminded me of a little little story that I can share with you. I think that can wrap this up, and if if I can be really disciplined and not still try to add on to it, a little story that'll wrap this up of what I'm talking about right here is I've got a friend that's a minister, and he's a really really good preacher. But he's a card, man. He's a character. He's a guy. He's got a story for every little thing. You know, he's got, a, he, he's got something to make you laugh. He's always digging at you a little bit or whatever. You know, he's, he's fun to be around in those kinds of situations. You know, and he, he's, he's always got something going on. And I got a cousin who had kind of met him and seen him and, and, you know, kind of got to know him a little bit and recognized all those little things about him. But also some other things about my, my preacher friend is that he was a little full of himself. He really thought, you know, he knew just about everything in the world. But he's just a little high on himself, a little higher than he probably should be. I was okay with my cousin because my cousin, he's kind of full of himself as well. So they kind of, kind of, kind of meshed a little bit in that. My cousin finally heard him preach for the first time. And, and this preacher friend of mine, he's a really good preacher. and My cousin, he grew up in church. He's always been around church. He was still in church. So he knew what a good sermon was like. He knew what one was when he heard it, and so when he heard this sermon, he knew that was good. And so after service, he was he was talking. He and my cousin and my friend were talking, and and he told he told the preacher friend he said he said you know what would make your ministry more effective if when you said Amen and finished your sermon you'd walk out the side door and not talk to anybody else in the congregation. You know what he was telling him? What he was telling him is all that other stuff you're doing in your life, it's getting in the way. Of this great word that you got going on up here that's what, that's what he told him. he was telling him. he said all this it, you want to be known as the funny preacher and he wasn't funny in the pulpit but he was funny out there you want to be known as the cool guy you want to be known as the guy who knows a little bit about everything or you want to be known as this and you know what and that was getting in the way of it, it did it did get in the way of his message you know what it does to us as well it's when we 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 worship and we act like we man we're sold out to God but we walk out those doors and we're more concerned about being the cool Christian. We're more concerned about being the Christian that 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 everybody likes. We're more concerned about being the funny Christian or, or about being the guy who can, you know, kind of hang on to God enough but can get away with this. We want to be the, the you know the pretty young lady Christian or whatever and, and we're more concerned about that than we are about being known. And God doesn't need a bunch of funny Christians out there. What he needs is some Christians who go out there and, and be the example of who Jesus Christ really is in this world. Be a, be a pure reflection of who he has walked his walk and, and, and with his feet and with his hands and, and with everything. Do the things that he did. That's what God is calling us to do and to be. The second thing the 2911 is, is we are about bringing the dream into people's, into our communities. Taking the dream into the communities. Now, i got to ask you a question. Here, here's, a, here's a good challenge. How, how are you doing at this, bringing God's dream into your communities? How many people in your community, and listen, we've all got three communities outside of this one. This one is a community, and unless you're a paraplegic or shut-in at home or in a nursing home, you've probably got these three communities. The one where you live, you know, your neighborhood, the one where you work or go to school, and the one where you do your commerce, trade, your shopping, and uh, your recreation and those things. Those are three communities. How well have you done? How many people have you brought God's dream to in one of those three communities in your life? Oh, no, we're all about this right here. No, that's not what it's all about. That's not what God intended it to be about. Well, If we were to take inventory today, How many could we add up that we have helped bring God's dream into their life? How many? How many could we add up? And and so then the question is, why are we doing more? And Jesus told us in the parable of the sower, he told us, here's the reason why we don't do better. He says, now the ones that fell among thorns are those who, when they have heard, they go out, they are choked with cares, with riches and pleasures of life, and they bring no fruit to maturity. The reason we don't do better, the reason we're not reaching anybody is we got too much stuff. We got too much money, or we got too much of a need for money, and we've got too many things to do in our life. We got too much stuff. We gotta have. We got this huge need for money, and we got too many other activities in our life, and we can't squeeze God in, and we don't have time for God. And so you know what what Christianity has done here in the United States of America is we we have created this hour on Sunday morning to be our service to God. We show up on Sunday morning, and we have done a big, great service to God because we took an hour of our time to come and tell him how big and how great he is. You're good, God. See you next Sunday. That's not what the Great Commission was. The Great Commission wasn't for us to get. You know what the Great Commission said? The Great Commission said, Go. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost, teaching them everything I've taught you. The Great Commission wasn't about gathering. The Great Commission was about going. It's not about being here together. Oh, but I know you say, well, but Hebrews chapter 10 verse 25 said we're not supposed to forsake the assembling of ourselves. Oh, I agree with you. I don't want to throw this one away. Hebrews chapter 10 verse 25. We're supposed to gather together. We're supposed to do that. And maybe we need to get back to that verse we read just a moment ago and think about because, you know, we need to be doing a better job of gathering together because we need to be here on Sundays. We need to be here on Wednesday nights. But well, we can't because we've got too much stuff. We've got a need for too much money or we've got too much of a need for money. And we've got too many things to do to be here and to tell God how much we love Him. But that's not the This is not the goal. This is not it. Well, let's put it in context. We've got to back up to verse 24 for the context. And here it is. Let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works. And where do you do that? at right here this is where we stir up one another to provoke love and to encourage good works but where are the good works supposed to be done not here they're supposed to be done out there we just gather together to encourage one another so we can get out there and be jesus christ to our communities that's what it's all about you you remember uh, you remember all acts chapter 2 what was acts chapter 2 about you know what the church i grew up in acts chapter 2 was about tongues In Pentecost circles, if you're not careful, Acts chapter 2 is about tongues. You want to talk about, well, we have to preach about tongues. Let's go to Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2 wasn't about tongues. Acts chapter 2 was about Acts chapter 1. And Acts chapter 1 was about Matthew 28, 19, and 20. You want to see it with me? Right here it is. And being assembled, this is Acts 1, verse 4, being assembled together with them, Jesus commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which, he said, you have heard from me. Okay, So so they're still in Jerusalem in the upper room ten days later because Jesus said, stay there and wait. And then in verse 8, he goes on down. In verse 8, he says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. That's the reason for Acts chapter 2. If it wasn't, that, a have stayed in the upper room, just spoken in tongues with one another. The reason, for, the reason for the upper room was the Great Commission. And I don't know which church, some of you, you grew up in different churches, some of you didn't grow up in a church at all. I don't care what kind of church you grew up in, your church, I guarantee your church, every once in a while, if they didn't all the time, got a little overboard with one thing. And so, so their churches got overboard. It's all, oh, we going to get together? We're going to speak in tongues, and or it's about worship. We're going to get together, and we're going to be the loudest. We're going to be, we're going to worship longer and louder than anybody else in town. Or your church might have been the one that taught, and we teach. We're going to teach. We're going to teach. We're going to teach. We're going to teach, and we're going to teach some more. So everybody knows everything they know about God. But the problem is, that's not the goal. And none of those things are bad. All those things are important. As far as uh, teaching is important, worship is important, having the gifts operating around our lives and, and making things happen around our lives, that's important. That's what the life apps are, all these things happening that God has given to us. These are important, but if your teaching doesn't get you out the door, if your worship doesn't get you out the door, and if your spiritual gifts doesn't get you out the door, then somebody's failing somewhere because the reason for everything God does It is to draw somebody else to his heart. Everything. And if if we're not getting that done, if we're not getting that done, then we need to shut down. Because our DNA is about reaching somebody that's not in church. We got about 170 people, it's 170 something regularly attend here. Over 60 of them were not in church before coming here. That's our DNA. When we've finished, when we've stopped doing that, though, then we've died. Our vision has died. Our dream has died. What God called us to be has died when we stop reaching them. So shout all you want to shout, as long as you don't get in somebody else's territory. I'll, I'll be the traffic cop. Y'all don't worry about it, okay? Let the spiritual gifts operate. Teach and learn all you can. But don't do it for the sake of those things. Do it for the sake of reaching somebody else. So ask again this question. How many have you, or maybe let's, let's look at it in the future. Not How many have I reached with the dream of God and helped bring the dream? In. How many will I let God use me to reach starting today? Let me take this one step further with the third point. Christianity, here's something about us, who, what we believe. It's not about us. How about turning to at least one or two people and saying it's not about you? Okay, anybody get their feelings hurt? You need a counseling appointment with the pastor this afternoon so we can get over your feelings being hurt. Because it's always been about you, hadn't it? Your mom told you when you were a kid it was about you. Your grandparents made it all about you. It's always been about you. In school, it was, all way, it was always about you. When, you know, your boyfriends and girlfriends, you know, if they weren't all about you, then you weren't anything about them. Always been about you, and now all of a sudden the pastor says it's not about you. It's not about you. Let me tell you this. Jesus made Christianity about you when he hung on the cross. I don't know how he, I don't know how he does this for each individual. I, I, I could do a lot of things for, one, for everybody, but I can't do it for, I can't do one thing for one person, but he did. He made Christianity about you. 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 He makes Christianity. He made it about you. But as soon as you got saved, as soon as you started a relationship with Him, and you started growing in discipleship, all of a sudden, it ain't about you anymore. Well, as, soon as, as soon as we become Christians and start growing in discipleship and growing in, in grace and, and who He is, it is no longer about us, but it is about God reaching somebody else through us. That's what Christianity... Christianity is not about us anymore. It's about 20,000 people out there that aren't affiliated with him that wouldn't have a pastor to call if they had a death in the family, they wouldn't know somebody to call if, they, if their child was sick in the middle of the night. That's what Christianity. It's not about us anymore. It's about somebody else. Charles Arn, the growth and the church growth and discipleship guru. One of the books he wrote. Was, uh, he's, he's been in this this study and this this particular area of the church for forty years, I guess. Now, and one of the books he wrote was about church growth obstacles, and the second one was church members. You know, you're. Church growth obstacle sometime? The second one he said was church growth members. When you've got a, a certain attitude, and it's this attitude right here, the, the opposite of this attitude. When church members, here's what he said, three things there. I'll probably give you two, and we'll have to just go on. Church, when church members don't have a priority of reaching the lost. You see, you don't have to, just, you don't have to stand at the back door and threaten me Say, preacher, don't you ever ask anybody else to get saved in this church. You don't have to act like that to just be a hindrance in this church. You've all, a lot of you, I'm going to say you have all because I don't know, but I've heard a lot of you, you t- I've heard, I don't know how many people I've heard say, this is the friendliest church I've ever been to. We went down to that church down the road to this church there or whatever. Nobody even spoke to us the whole time we were there. Dave and I, when we were between pastors, we were working in youth ministry in other states and in this state, and, and we were visiting a lot of other churches, and we... Ha- i don 't know why some, why people even go to some of the churches we went to. We went to one of the biggest churches in in, in this city in the birmingham metro area and the one lady spoke to us. She opened the door and said, nice to have you or something like that. And nobody else spoke. We walked down a hall of all kinds of people. You know, and they were going to get their donuts and their coffee. And, and uh, you know, and they were, I guess they were in too big a hurry to get their donuts and coffee. Stop and speak to me. I, the, the minister of music even asked people, okay, turn around and shake hands with somebody. And nobody spoke to me or shook my hand. You know, why? Do we, how does this church get so big? Why in the world does anybody want to go to that church? You see, when you don't have a priority in your mind to reach somebody that is lost, you'll run people off from a church. Because people will come in, and they'll see you. You don't even want to speak to. They don't, you don't even want to speak to them, and they don't even want. But when you've got a high priority to reach the lost, and you see somebody new in, a, in, in our church, then you're going. To, the first thing you're going to see, think is they may be. A non-Christian who needs Jesus today. And even if they're a Christian, they are here today for some reason. They've got a need, and they may need something from God today that they've not been able to get. And so you're going to have a heart that wants to reach out to them. But it's not just going to be in here. It's going to be out there too. Your your mind is going to make you think. You know, I've never heard this coworker ever say anything about God, church, Jesus, prayer. I need to be living a better life in front of them, and I need to be praying for them. When you have a priority, okay, but when you don't have the priority of reaching, that's a church. Let me just give you this other one that is under this church growth hindrance number two. And, and it is when it's when churches have a, a, a self-centered or a self-centered attitude about who the church is. The church is here for me. Church isn't here for the community. Church isn't here for Lost people. Pastor's supposed to feed me on Sunday morning. His messages are supposed to make me feel good on Sunday morning. Minister Music's supposed to lead songs and sing songs that make me feel good when I walk out the door. Something I can be singing tomorrow and still feel good about my situation. I don't ever want you to gauge my successfulness as a pastor on how I made you feel on a Sunday. If you walk out of here feeling great, and you say, that's a great... No, I don't want you gauging me because you feel great when you are. Let me say it this way. I wrote this down in my notes, and I had to change it. I put down six months. I had to change it to three months. In prayer, And in, I, just, I just said, that's not, that's not enough. I, I'm giving myself too much leeway with you. Here's how I want you to judge me. If you can sit here in this church for three months, and not do anything for God, and not feel convicted in three months, then I have failed you as a pastor. That's how I want you to judge me. I want you to, I want you to know that if, I, that if you're not doing anything, I want you to know that you're supposed to be doing something for God. If you can sit here and be comfortable, and sometime within two or three months not feel convicted that you are not doing something for God then I'm failing you as a pastor. If you can walk out those doors and you can live around all those people that need God every single day and I don't say something every two or three months that convicts you of not being concerned, then then I have failed you as a pastor. That's how I want you to judge my effectiveness and my success or failure as your pastor because that's what I'm really supposed to be here for, not to make you feel better about all the mistakes you made this past week. Let's get those under the blood, and then let's go help somebody else with theirs. Jamie, come on, if you will. Last thing to wrap up right here. So what's 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 it really all about? What's it really going to take? You know why 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 aren't we doing better? Why how is it that we can make Christianity, Christianity really is Christianity really not about pastor? I listen to guys on the, on the TV, and they sure seem to make me feel like Christianity is all about me. What is it? What is it that we, what is it we can hang our hat on in Scripture? And here, here, here it is to show you that it's not, about, it's not about you. He who loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. He who loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. He who does not take his cross and follow after me is not worthy of me. He who finds his life will lose it. He who loses his life for my sake will find it. He could have said, he who loves his bass boat more than me. He could have said, he who loves Alabama football more than me. I I got a lot of thoughts running through my mind right now. You want me to keep listening until I hit you? You know he could have said any of those things, but you know what? He didn't. He didn't deal with it. deal. And you know We make these those little things insignificant, aren't they? Doesn't is it going to matter fifty years from now? No, but those little insignificant things, we raise them up almost into gods and idols. We worship and serve them. But you know what? He didn't. Even, he just jumped right to the very end. He said, even if you these things are important, but he said even if you love your family more than you love me. Even if you love your family, even if you love your life more than you love me, then how do I do it? How how, how do I do it? Jesus gives us the example in John chapter 12. Is that what it was? John chapter 12, he says, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it produces much grain. He was talking about himself. If you look at the context, he was talking about he's about to die, and and, and through his death, he's going to bring all these new lives there's going to be a lot of a big, huge harvest happen because of his death. But if you look, what we also see is he's telling us what to do. If we want to be successful as a child of God, if we want to have fruit and be able to, to, to produce fruit, if we, want to, if we want to put aside all the stuff we have and the, all that need for money that we have and all these things that we have to do that get in our way of bringing forth mature fruit, then this is what we've got to do. We're going to have to die. And you know what? There's too much of a clamor out there in the Christian world for an easy, simple salvation. People that, people that want, they just want it spoon-fed to them on Sunday morning for a little while and maybe every once in a while on a Wednesday night. And that's all I need. And, and there's too much of a clamor. Out, and I'll and I just tell you, I didn't say this in the early service. I had this, had this, these thoughts in my head the past two, two days. I didn't say this in the early service. i will to say it right here. If that's the church you're looking for, if you're looking for an easy Christianity, something that, that doesn't challenge you, then this ain't the church for you because God didn't call me to, to, to spoon-feed a whole bunch of fat Christian babies all their way to heaven. But God's not looking for a bunch of lazy. He's not looking for a bunch of self-centered. He's not looking for a bunch of wimps. He's looking for some men who are ready to stand up and say, "Wait a minute, this is who God called me to be." He's looking for some women who say, "Wait a minute, I'm in a battle." And you know what? You know what? This is going to take soldiers. This, this is going to take warriors. This is going to take some heroes. It's going to take some laborers, some workers, some people who know you know anything about rolling up your sleeves spiritually and getting busy for God. This is what God. This is what God is going to require for something to happen. Stand with me if you will. Stand with me. This is what it's going to take. It's going to take more than that. So somebody decide, somebody decide today. You've got to respond. Listen, you, you cannot just ignore this. You have to respond. This kind of a challenge, this kind of a sermon, you cannot, you've got to respond. Now you may say, well, I'm just going to ignore it. That's a response. Believe me. When I ignored my dad, He considered it a response. And when you ignore God, this kind of a challenge, it is a response. Somebody today say, I'm going to step up. I'm going to be who God called me to be. We say it all the time. Salvation is free. But it wasn't cheap. It cost heaven the very best treasure that heaven had to offer. And our response now needs to be in light of that. Jamie's about to lead us in this final song. It talks about, it's from from Isaiah, where he says, I saw the Lord. And then he started saying, oh, woe is me for who I am. I'm a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in a people of unclean lips. He said, God, how can you use me? But here I am, send me. That's what the song says. But who's gonna who's gonna really sing that song from your heart this morning? Who's gonna say I want to be the man that God is looking for in this generation? I want to I want to be the woman of God that that can truly bring this to pass in my family. I want to be the one. I want to be the warrior that when God starts looking for somebody like He looked for David to take a sling down to fight. I want to be the warrior that God chooses. I want to be the one that stands before Him and doesn't hear. Well, you got through. I want to be the one that hears God say, "Well done, my good." faithful servant who will say that's who I want to be and is ready to give it all to God I want to ask you I I, I don't don't, don't expect everybody in the house to move but I pray you do I want to ask you will you say that's who I want to be I want to be God's man and step out come on this way and keep walking walk as far as you can come to the very front walk as far as you can up to the very front of this if you will say that's who I want to be this is who I choose to be everything I have has got to be God's I I don't care about being the I don't care about being the uh, the cool guy I don't care about being the funny guy I care about being God's man. I don't care about saving my space and saving my time. I'm ready to give it all to God. Would you close your eyes with me? Would you right now start? I want you to ask God to do something. First of all, I want you to ask Him to forgive you of your laziness. Forgive Him of your self-centeredness. Forgive Him of of your busyness that has kept you from being who you needed to be. I'm not talking about the time that I called and asked you to come to work day and you couldn't come because you... I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the serious stuff about how you never have time. God, you never have time to hear His voice. You never have time to pray. You never have time to to read His Word. And you don't have to read the King James Version. You you don't have. You've got it so easy. And we we don't uh, uh, repent right now. Ask God's forgiveness. And then I want you to... Go ahead, Jamie. Then I want you to ask God to forgive our church. Forgive our church for for making uh, unimportant things important. Forgive our church uh, for, for focusing on things that we don't even need to focus on. God, forgive our leaders, Lord. God, when when we've been more uh, concerned about about being being uh, popular than we've been concerned about being right in the eyes of God, oh Lord, I pray I ask you, God, forgive our church, Lord, and God, lead us to a place, God, lead us to a place where you can use us. God, make us warriors like we see saw these two heroes, God, flying back, God, injured, Lord, make us heroes in the spirit realm just like they were. I pray in Jesus' name, God, lead us today to that place. Forgive God, make us your men, make us your women, make us your warriors, make us heroes, Lord, I pray in Jesus' name.